Welcome to Bruce Styles for Tuesday, July 14th, 2015, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. I'm Chris. I'm Travis. And I'm Sawyer. This week, we'll be talking about Style 5B, the Kolsch. Check out our website, brewstyles.com, where you can leave us feedback and requests for us to discuss your favorite beer styles. Send us an email to ask us some questions and we'll get them answered on the air. While on our site, you can also find a link to the BJCP website. There you can download your own copy of the BJCP style guidelines and get more information about how to become an official BJCP certified beer judge. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash brewstyles or follow us on Twitter at brew underscore styles. You can also find our phone number on our website if you want to give us a call. Like our pages and post some comments to help us bring you the information you need. All right, well, welcome back, guys. Hey. Thank you. What's been going on? Beer. Lots of beer drinking. Yep. And brewing. Yep. Anything interesting happen to you this week, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a brew day mishap. Uh-oh. Yeah. And it didn't even really have anything to do with brew day, but it happened on brew day, so it still it still had one. It still had to do with beer, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I... Uh, I'd made a barley wine several months ago and and had bottle bottled it. I wanted to do bottle conditioning so that I could let it sit for a long time and just kind of age, really cultivate some lovely flavors. Um, but then something happened along the way. Either I bottled it before it was finished or I messed up the priming sugar amounts or something. But basically the whole batch is overcarbonated. And uh, I, I had all the, all the big bottles in like a big Rubbermaid container because I... I've had one explode before, and I didn't want that to happen. It's all of the carpets. Yeah. It's a mess. The fiance yeah. is really mad. So I've had a bottle bomb, too. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to put all the entire batch in there. And then uh, I guess about a month or two ago, I just kind of looked in there, and, and I, I could smell that there was there was a smell coming out of there. So I knew one of them had exploded. I was like, oh, crap. So I put it off because I didn't want to pull them out and clean them. And I decided on brew day, since I already had all the hoses and stuff and all everything out for cleaning i was like i'm just gonna pull it all out and clean everything make sure it's fine and then put it back in so i can move it back in the house well i'd open up the bin and then start taking out bottles and i'm cleaning them one by one just with like soap and a wash rag i got done with three pull out the fourth one clean it and then pick it up to go put it on the drying area and Yes, it was that loud. <laughs> Dang. It exploded in my hand. <clears throat> oh. It was terrifying. Uh, my hand was bleeding. It was not not a good experience. Five to, seconds earlier, it would have popped in your face. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was kind of a, an eye-opening experience that even though this is a fun hobby, there's still a lot of inherent dangers that come with it. I mean, we're yes. working with several gallons of boiling liquid and... Mm. Uh, Hot, boiling, yeah. sugary wort is... Not the same thing as boiling water. Nope. It sticks to you. Yep. So if you get it on you, good luck. Sorry. Yeah. Stop, drop, and roll. So, And I think because so many of us have done this for so long without any problems, we start taking things for granted. get too comfortable, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was that one brew day that uh, I was washing my big six-and-a-half-gallon glass carboy, and the outside of it got wet. My hand slipped, and I dropped it. Oh, yeah. The whole Ooh, thing yeah. busted open. Uh, I got some cuts on my leg. I mean, it wasn't anything major, but... 
I mean, anytime you have exploding glass next to you, I guess it could be considered major. Sure. Mm -hmm. So just our little PSA, (laughs) just be careful while you're brewing. Um, It's not worth, you know, anything major happening to you. It's just a hobby. Oh, yeah. Just just for fun. I'll definitely be doing some more research on uh, bottle conditioning and priming sugar levels with particular styles and, and definitely paying more attention to the final gravity before I bottle something from now on because I do not want this to happen to right. anyone. Because mm-hmm. it would be even worse if, if I gave somebody one of my one of my beers, like, hey, you know, try this, and it explodes on them. You know, that's all my fault. Yeah. So I, I don't want that to happen again. But, Maybe uh, we should do another page on our website about... <laughs> brewing safety? <laughs> yes, or bottle conditioning and, or... Um, Priming sugar levels, or I don't know, it might not be a bad idea. But we are glad that you are okay. Yes, no stitches. Yeah, I hope my mom doesn't find out. <laughs> <laughs> so, why did we choose Kolsch for this week? Well, because it's more beer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're we we are uh, waist deep in the summer beer series right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Kolsch is a fantastic, light, crisp, fairly easy drinking style, so it's awesome. I think it made sense to do it next. Yes, we have several examples that we're excited to get to for the tasting section, including one homebrewed example from one of our own. Indeed. So we're going to look forward to that mm-hmm. yeah. later on. So next we're uh, going to talk quickly about the style. Cool. All right, Sawyer, take it away. All right. So we're just going to run right through these real quick so we don't take too much time. So first off, the aroma. Very low to no pills malt aroma. A pleasant, subtle fruit aroma from fermentation is acceptable, but not always present. Awesome aroma. Yes. Appearance, very pale gold to light gold. Authentic versions are filtered to a brilliant clarity, Mm -hmm. which kind of like the one sitting in front of me right now. What? It is sitting in front of me, and it is clear. He cheated and got the beer before he did. Yeah. It's also not very clear, but it's okay. Well, I, it was clear <laughs> when I poured it, so... Continue. Ah. All right, flavor. Soft, rounded palate comprising of a delicate flavor balance between soft yet attenuated malt, a fruity sweetness from fermentation, and a medium to low bitterness with a delicate dryness and slight pucker in the finish. That's interesting. Pucker. So, dry, clean, finish. Right. Crisp. And very light. All right. Mouthfeel, smooth and crisp. That basically sums that one up. I mean, it's medium to medium light bodied. Right. Usually for this one, yeah. Right. So, yeah. It's going to be a great lawnmower beer. Oh, easy yeah. Drinking, Absolutely. Really refreshing, and that's uh, that's what highlights the style. You know, yeah. it'd be cool to have a beer hat, you know, like the beer helmet for this while you're mowing the lawn with the straw why not just use the beer helmet that's what i'm saying oh. like use that while you're mowing the lawn you don't have to hold anything except the lawnmower right <laughs> if you're push mowing anyway right if you're riding you could just beer in one hand steering wheel in the other yep <laughs> they should build cup holders in the lawnmowers they do oh i haven't seen any before oh, okay so see, I move around a lot when I <laughs> mow the lawn, though. So I wouldn't want beer sloshing around. I guess you'd have to do like a like a, a marching roll step, so that you keep your yeah. head very still as you bent knee technique. <laughs> How funny would that look? <laughs> <laughs> so 
there's your style guidelines. Awesome. So light, clean, crisp, not a lot of hop, not a lot of malt. Right. Just kind of there. Yep. Awesome. Absolutely. Sounds good. Cool. So, Travis, you ready to jump into a short history about it? Yes, Professor Pollen uh, couldn't make it today. Oh, oh man. So, man. Uh, I, I guess I've got to just throw something together. Okay. Uh, so today we're going to do a new segment called History in a Hat. Ooh, that sounds fun. That's right, and I did wear a hat today. That's that's nasty. Otherwise, is that hat the, clean? Otherwise the segment wouldn't really make that sense. Like a, is that your lawnmower hat? Yes. Oh, kinda, kinda God. Dirty. And was, it, was it white to begin with? No, it was that yellow. So. Yeah, <laughs> gross. I think it was. You know, it's one of those like uh, things that the, that the kids they wear jeans that have already like been pre-ripped. I think this hat was like pre-sweated. <laughs> Anyways, inside the hat, I have several interesting history tips and tidbits about this style. Tips and tidbits. Yeah. And we'll we'll pull one out, read it, and then we'll talk about it. All right. So Chris, go ahead and reach in the hat. We'll see what we get. I'll reach towards the hat. He I was careful not to I touch it. I didn't really have to reach into the hat. You might want to wash your hands later. Probably will. I'll have to burn this paper. I don't want to get any... Bonfire. Okay, so, in 1603, the leaders of Cologne issued an important ordinance. Henceforth, brewers were only permitted to brew top-fermented beers in Cologne. Hmm. That's right, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, so, Cologne, Germany, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. And all of these... Uh, all of these tips and tidbits are kind of mixed up, so uh, by the end we'll have all the information. But to does, start, with, do they all have years where we can like have to put them in order at the end, see if we can figure it out? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> but uh, yes, <coughs> this style did originate from Cologne, Germany, and we'll talk a little bit more about that with another tidbit. But this one in particular, where they talk about that, uh, man, they they really they really take their beer and beer brewing seriously in Germany. So much so that they make laws permitting what can go in it, and then uh, with with this ordinance, they said we uh, only permitted to brew top fermented beers in, in Cologne. So no loggers come out of Cologne then. No loggers at all. Interesting. And that that was pretty shocking at the time because you know less than a half a century before then, summer brewing was completely illegal in Bavaria. They did not want anyone to brew beer during the summer, which I mean, pretty much kind of uh, forced them into lager-only brewing. Well, the people in Cologne, the there were well, there are two reasons why they did this. One, they wanted to st- to stand themselves apart from everyone else. It was kind of a, a shrewd business move. Well, if if everyone else is making lagers, then I guess we can make ales to provide more uh, variety. But they also did that because well, their lagers sucked. <laughs> the, uh, the there wasn't any refrigeration technology at the time, and it was still several uh, s- several centuries away from getting that. And uh, their their climate wasn't suited for it, so they just did not make good loggers. Hmm. And uh, it would stay that way until about 150 years later, whenever Napoleon came in during the French Revolution, and he put all his people in power. In that area, and so uh, the laws were just kind of forgotten about, and then they started making loggers and, and top fermented beers also. Wow! But that's kind of where this style originated from. All right, Sawyer. All right, my turn. Oh, that's a long one. Oh, but it's big print, so I can read it. <laughs> I don't have my glasses today, so I'm sorry. Old. 
No, I don't have my glasses on, so. Old. Ah, whatever. All right. The Kolsch is one of the few beer styles nowadays with a regional affiliation, which means that only about two dozen brewers located in Cologne and its immediate vicinity may legally call their beers Kolsch. All right, so what does that mean? Well, to be an actual Kolsch beer and to call it a Kolsch beer, it has to be brewed and made in the city around Cologne, Germany. And that was something that I didn't, I didn't really know because I've seen Kolsch's around in America from other breweries. But uh, there, is, there is a law, and uh, it was put together by the several breweries around that area in the year 1948, and they created a formal association called the Kolsch Convention, with a K. And they established that for the sole purpose of preserving the quality and the uniformity of the style, and to keep the style from being brewed by distant imitators. So to be an actual, an official Kolsch, it has to be brewed in and around the Cologne, Germany area. You, uh, you might be wondering about that. Well, I've seen Kolsch's in, from other ones. I know we have several examples from America and even from DFW here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the answer to that is those are not official Kolsch's. They are beers brewed in the Kolsch style. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is a, a distinction to note. And there, you know, this is similar to how um, you can't have an actual champagne unless it comes out of the Champagne region of France. Right. You can have sparkling wine mm-hmm. or Champagne styles, but not an official Champagne. So same thing with the Kolsch. Hmm. And just to, um, as a point of reference and information, the area of Germany, uh, we call it Cologne. They call it Cologne, which right. is K-O-Umlaut-L-N. And so the Kolsch style, the K-O-Umlaut, you know, prefix, I think, might have something to do with the area that it's brewed in. Right, right. So. All right. Next. Kolsch is the local brew of the city of Cologne. <laughs> in German. I think we figured this one I out. I, I think I read your mind a little bit. It is one of the palest German beers made. Hmm. Yes, comes out of that city. Cologne or Köln in German. <laughs> Köln. And so it's actually pronounced Kölsch, not Kolsch. With the, what does the umlaut sound? It's it's like an O E, a little bit of an R. Kör Kölsch. 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 Yeah. Beer. So oh. it's it's. I mean, it's a little bit different. Is that the same thing as the Olympic sport curling? <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think so. All right. Came out of Cologne, and uh, this was basically the German answer to the British Pale Ale. Uh, Up until then, they uh, didn't really have different kilning techniques, so all the malt was the same. It was kind of a a dark or a a, a caramel, and so all the beers looked the same. They were kind of like a reddish, dark brown color. And then they started to learn about different kilning techniques, and then was the, uh, the invention of light pale malt. And so that completely changed the game, and the British started making their pale ale. The Germans wanted to do the same thing, and so this, uh, this is kind of where this style originated from. Uno mas. My turn. Oh, it really is the last one. Yep. Oh, there's actually a red in this one. Cool. Oops. <laughs> it shares a history with the copper-colored Altbier made in Dusseldorf. 
when pale malt became readily available, the Kulch separated itself from alt beer around the same time. All right. Those two tips kind of led right into each other. That's good. Well, the, uh, the, the Kulch, as we know it today, came from the original style, the alt beer, which itself is a hybrid. It was a, an ale that's brewed with ale yeast but fermented at cooler temperatures and is lagered uh, for an extended period of time. So that's why it was called an, a, a hybrid a hybrid style. And the Kolsch, in the uh, previous iteration of the BJCP guidelines, 2008, it was classified as a hybrid style beer. Right, yeah. But they kind of got away from that in, the, uh, in the, the new ones, the 2015 version, because it's, uh, well... Th- th- they grouped them more by region, so you'll see things like pale malty European beer or um, American ale, things like that. And within that style, you have a pretty wide range of, of, of styles. And so it's just a different way of grouping it. And uh, the culture is no longer listed as under a hybrid style, but it is still a hybrid style. Uh, yeah, so I mean, from what I know about the culture and brewing it is you still ferment it. At a warmer ale temperature, not necessarily a colder fermentation, but normal ale temperature because you want it to attenuate all the way so that it's crisp and clean finishing. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to lager it, or what I usually do is I'll cold crash it, you know, at like sub 40 degrees and just lager, quote unquote, lager it for two weeks or so. Yeah. And then usually the Kolsch you want to drink fresh. It's not something that you want to age for very long. So I would limit your your lagering on that to two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, and that's part of what what makes this style a hybrid yeah. is that you have a, a mixture of those things. And uh, so it came out of the the alt beer where they used basically the same recipe, same techniques, but just swapped the the darker kale malt for the lighter pale malt, and uh, did the same kind of thing. And then as a modern Kolsch, it's basically the same. We have those two distinct barley-based filtered German ale styles, the modern alt beer, uh, which has plenty of amber Munich malt, and then the modern Kolsch, which we're talking about today, which uses pretty much only pale Pils malt. And each style now has its own distinct color and flavor profile, as well as its own rather unusual top-fermenting yeast strains. It has a very particular strain of yeast. And in spite of the lagering they undergo, these beers are still true ales. Yep. Yep. Well, that was uh, some interesting information. Yeah. Thanks, Travis. So I was just looking at this um, this little beer guide that I picked up a couple weeks ago, and there's something in here I thought was interesting. Food pairings Ooh. for the Kolsch. German dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no-brainer. Salads, chicken, grilled foods, fish, shellfish, and spicy foods. Wow. So... That's interesting. And the uh, the cheese pairing, you're drinking a Kolsch. Brick, brie, camembert. I don't know what that is. And Monterey Jack. Hmm. So, yeah, there's I, some interesting... Yeah. I don't have much experience eating bricks, but I guess if, if you yeah. recommend it... <laughs> you might want to, uh, you know... You might want to consult your dentist beforehand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Light beer with light foods... Is that kind of what that sounds well, like? Well, spicy. Um, usually, if you're drinking something spicy, you want something to be able to cut through the spice. Or if you're drinking something really fatty, you want something to be able to cut through the fat. Like, I know fatty foods usually go well with IPAs. The the bitter and the fat kind of balance each other out, that sort of thing. Right. So, right. 
um, anything clean, grilled, like, you know, the fish, chicken, whatever, and then um, the spicy foods, the the real clean, light beer, I guess, helps out with, with that, pairs well with it, so... But beer and fat do not go together. That beer does not cause <laughs> fat. Don't think that. Well, for most of us, unless you drink a lot of it, one of right? Us. So, all right. Well, that's uh, the first half of our show. We're going to take a quick break and get into our tasting. All right, so first up is our classic example of the style, and this is the Sooner Kolsch. That's S-U-Umlaut, N-N-E-R, directly from Köln, Germany, and also brewed under the purity law. Oh, hey. says that on the label. (laughs) But we can never believe it. We had a lot of those last week, so this is, I mean... It, it makes sense that this would also be brewed under the purity law because it's just got malt, hops, water, and yeast. That's it. Ingredients listing. Water. Malt. Hops. That's it. And then it doesn't even list the yeast? Nope, it does not. Interesting. Hmm. Right. Germans don't believe in yeast. <laughs> I fermented this by my awesomeness. All right, well. <laughs> that's interesting. Um... Wow, this is incredibly clear. Clear. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a light yellow straw. Yeah. Tiny bubbles. Pale gold definitely has carbonation. Yeah. But I mean, it's not super carbonated, but like the the styles that we had the last two weeks. Oh no no. no. The um, the saison and the yeah. of icy. But brilliantly clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can read through it. Very simple aroma. Yeah, not much to it. A little bit of malt. Mm-hmm. Light grains. Yeah. Mm, do you get any hops? Nope. I do not. No, not really. Yeah, not either. Hmm. There's um, a slight bitterness. I don't want to say skunk, but it no. kind of a slight bitterness to it. Definitely not skunk. Travis? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I would say. Um, I don't want to say sour grains because it, it's not, but there is almost a slight bit of a pucker. Didn't the style guidelines say little pucker? That they did, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah, so, what was that? Well, I mean, this is usually brewed with... Pilsner malt, mm-hmm. so it that's, might be the it might be the Pilsner malt because that's a the Pilsner is a little more bitter than you know the, the two row that you would get. That was also in the guidelines. Yeah, the guidelines not as, not as um, bready as a as a English malt, but a little more on the bitter side because of the Pilsner. So that that's what I taste is just Pilsner malt. Where was the pucker part? I can't. Find I think it's in the mouth feel. Mm. Or the flavor, because pucker was used. Yeah, because I remember you saying it. So. Yeah, not a lot of people will say that. Yeah, I do too, and I hadn't heard that. Not pucker like a sour ale, but 
Yeah, that's a little extreme. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. This, <laughs> there's really not a whole lot to say about this beer. I mean, it's just kind of there. I, it's just a good, easy drinking beer. I mean, that's, it. With, with the risk of maybe offending some people, I think this is the European classic American Pilsner. You know what I mean? It's clean, it's crisp, it's refreshing, it's just kind of there. Yeah, absolutely. So, if if I were over in Europe, and I lived in Europe, rather than ordering a Bud Light, <laughs> I'd get a Krush. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what this is meant to be. Yeah. Just light, crisp, refreshing, light green taste, maybe a, a subtle bit of, of fruit, like a fruity sweetness, but that's... So faint that it's almost indetectable. Do you think that two of these would affect me the way that Coors Light does? Probably more so. Okay. Because this is... 5.3%. Oh, wow. Yeah, never mind. And um, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light is like, what, four and a half? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, four, two, typically. Hmm. So, (laughs) well, I think this is a great... um, starting point to see i know we have a lot of different um versions of this mm-hmm. from overseas and locally mm-hmm. yes that are brewed in the kolsch style but right. not necessarily a, a kolsch so maybe kolsch yeah. so we'll see how we'll see how they compare and i bet the the water content of the uh Köln area of germany has some has some big effect on this i don't know if it's like I don't know if that's one of those famous water profiles that uh, that you hear about, but I'm sure that it does make a difference. I'm not sure what uh, what the makeup is though. Yeah, if it's high in calcium or high in sulfates or very low soft water. Hmm. So we'll yeah we'll see how how the other ones turn out. Yeah, and you know temperature, you know that it's served at affects the taste as well with this right. beer. Yeah, <laughs> the warmer it gets, the more. Ugh. Pilsnery bitterness will come through. Right. Do you def- know what uh, what style of glassware this is traditionally served in? Ooh. Yes. In Cologne, Germany. I don't think I talked about it in the Beer 101 episode. No, I don't think you did. This is either a Stange. Stange. Or a, Stange. Stange. Or a Pilsner, a tall Pilsner glass. Traditionally, it's served in a Stange glass, yeah. which is basically a cylinder of glass. There's no curves. Yeah. It's the same size at the bottom at the top. And, you know, usually about like a half liter. And then it's meant that way because you're supposed to really just kind of down it real quick. You know, this also says serving temperature cold, 39 to 45 degrees. Ah. You know, I'd like to drink all of my beers from a fruity glass. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's close to a stange. Mm-hmm. Or that, that, uh, would be a fl- that Chang. We're probably pretty close to it, too. Yeah. The Chang glass. I think I have just one Stange glass, and it was a... Uh, oh, wait, the Red Hook. Yeah, that would count. That would, that would be a Stange, too. It's got a heavy base. Yeah, there's one from uh, from Firestone Walker that I have. It's it's for their Pivo Pills glass, but it's a, a Stange. I think that's the only one I have at home. Hmm. And you have a lot of glasses at home, so yeah. to say that you only have one... <laughs> It's, yeah. it's not that common. Oh, I mean, okay. Just kidding. Yeah. Just it, kidding. It's for this style of beer only and nothing else, traditionally <laughs> speaking, of course. 
Okay, on to the next one. This is the St. Arnold Fancy Lawnmower Kirsch. Kirsch. And it does say fancy in the title. It does. I always thought they were just being pretentious, but then whenever I got a bottle of my own, it's, yeah, it says straight up in the bottle. Well, it's a Kolsch style. Right. Ale. That's right. It's not a Kolsch. But it's a good beer, so. <laughs> Do we know the ABV on it? It doesn't, it doesn't say it on the bottom. Okay, here, I get you. Hold on. Uh, but St. Arnold is out of Houston. Houston, Texas. Yep. So. Yep. And that's one of one of Texas's oldest operating breweries that's still in existence today. I think they celebrated their 20th anniversary uh, pretty recently. Hmm. Okay. So Fancy Lawnmower is a 4.9 ABV. Okay. Mm-hmm. 20 IBUs. Uh, it's very... It's a little cloudier than the uh, the Sooner. Apparently the last time I had this, I gave it two stars. Oh, on untapped. We'll only see. slightly cloudier. I mean, it's still pretty clear, yeah. but it's not brilliantly clear. And it's kind of a neon yellow. <laughs> yeah. Very bright. Yes. Nice white head, though. Uh, similar aroma, but it's a little different. Yeah, it is a little different. Um, Maybe a little bit more lemon. Yeah. Lemon It's still big grain base to it. This one has closer to a medium body, I would say, in comparison to the last one that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still a very light aroma. I mean, nothing, uh, not one particular ingredient or thing pops out it's just it's there it's light right it's um definitely less bitter yeah no not much sooner less mm. pilsnery yeah a little smoother <clears throat> so maybe a tad bit more carbonation too i get a little a little bubbly in my mouth This is perfect for fancy lawnmowers, so if you have a fancy lawnmower, get, hey out, get out there and uh, mow the lawn and yeah. drink this beer. It's good. Refreshing, crisp, clean. Not as bitter. I think I actually kind of like this one better than the Sooner. Do you think they use real grass clippings in this? <laughs> well, there's only one way to find out. We should call them <clears throat> and ask them some questions. <clears throat> I doubt it. The bottle cap. If uh, if you're not familiar with St. Arnold beers, anytime you get a bottled one, on the underside of the cap, they always put some little phrase or something. Uh, and this one says, hop on board. Okay. <clears throat> and yes, it really does say that. Hop on board the lawnmower. <laughs> if you have a riding lawnmower. A perhaps. beer that is not traditionally highly hopped, but yeah. it still has hops in it, of course. I did see something where they're, uh, I think it was yesterday, they posted that they're brewing a new beer that's going to be pretty intensely hopped. So they're like, attention hopheads. Uh, I don't remember what the name was. But St. Arnold, yeah, they've been around for over 20 years now. Still producing high-quality beers. they got a really large fan base mm-hmm. uh, across, the st- across the state. And uh, <clears throat> they're also known for their, their small batch series. For a long time, their Divine Reserve beers were highly sought after. Right. And it, you had to know when the release date was, and you had to know when the truck would arrive at whatever store you're going to, because they would be bought up in a, in a cinch. 
So, uh, but they also realized that it was it was pretty popular, and they wanted more people to enjoy their beer. So, they started really ramping up the size of their batches, and now you can pretty much find them whenever they come out. It's still it's still only a one off. I think they're up to fifteen was the last one they did. Developers wow. are fifteen. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm loving this summer series beer. Yeah, it's great beer. Man, I I shudder to think about what we're gonna do during the winter series. All right, today we're talking about barley wines. <laughs> oh my! I don't think we'll make it to <laughs> the end. Imperial stouts. We're finishing up the first sample right now, and it's good. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna smell some walls. We'll get some. <laughs> get some smaller glass sizes, I guess. Yeah. Or invite more people. Small taster. Yeah. Maybe we'll be nationally syndicated by then, so we'll have a lot of people around. Right. Okay. Uh, I wish thinking. High hopes. He's got high hopes. All right, on to the next example. Yay. Well, on to our next one for today. And it's a style that I brought. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, I have not tried this one before. But the reason being... We didn't really get a whole lot of Kolsch's available in bottles or cans in our area. Uh, That's true. Yeah, I looked through the list of the ones I've had before, and many of them I've tried on tap somewhere because, in all honesty, this style is meant to be uh, drank fresh. As Chris said, it, it does not have a long shelf life, so you're not going to see too many of these uh, on the shelf. But uh, if, it, if it's in a keg, then you know that it's going to go to a bar, it'll be tapped, and people will drink on it every day. Hopefully it won't last more than two weeks. So I uh, picked up a beer from uh, from a company called Alltech Lexington Brewery, and this is called Kentucky Kolsch Style. They make a big point of notating that in the bottle, that this is a Kolsch style. In the corner it says Kolsch Style Ale. And uh, I'm sure that's because of the, uh, the Kolsch convention and the laws that they have, and they're afraid of being uh, descended upon by a lot of angry Germans and and then beaten to death. That sounds painful <laughs> and morbid. Did you go straight to beaten to death? Um, I would like to point out that this same brewing company also makes a breakfast stout. Interesting. So, in case yep. you wanted to know, fun fact. <clears throat> yep, and they they even go further in their commercial description, talking about that according to the German beer law, only beers brewed in Cologne can carry this illustrious title of Kolsch. And then they they don't want to. I guess they don't want to get sued, but they're hoping that what they've created will live up to the high standards set in Köln, Germany. So this is from uh, Alltech Kentucky Kolsch, and just by the look of it, it's falling right in line with the other ones. Yeah, this very, one is very clear. Brilliant. It's very yeah. clear. The aroma is very similar. I think to- probably even more so clear than the Sooner was. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> colors a light, very light gold, almost straw. The aroma, the aroma reminds, reminds me of the fancy lawnmower. Yeah, mm-hmm. and th- this is very cold right now. Also, see to fit in with the serving recommendations. The and aroma is like the lawnmower, but the taste is completely different. It's very light, very light bodied. Not a lot of flavor, just very easy to drink. Almost like water. I dare to say a bit sweeter. Well, <clears throat> really? I get a, a touch of something on the sides. 
Uh, almost a pucker. <clears throat> I don't get a pucker. I did on the first sip. Not as much as I did on the uh, the sooner. This one's not as smooth as the St. Arnold. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's a little bit more carbonated, in my opinion. Has a has a higher bitterness. Flavor is pretty much just all grain. And I think this one's only four. Four three. Four three. Alcohol? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah, it's four. <clears throat> According to Untapped. On the bottle it says four three. Oh, okay. Well, Untapped lies. It also says it has 124 calories. Eight point seven grams carbohydrates, one point two five grams protein. So we're all going to work out after this, right? Fat. Really? So no, you're not going to work out. All right, cheers this to is that. Workout, dude. Hey. Cheers to that. Hey. So no fat pass. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all things aside, this is another great example of, I think, what the overall style should be—a very easy yeah. drinking. You know, it's it's just there. It's refreshing. You knock it back, you don't really put a whole lot of thought into it. And like I don't I don't want to anger the beer snobs, but as a beer enthusiast, not every beer needs to be thought about. Now it's it's interesting. Every beer needs to be appreciated. Yes. But not every beer needs to be analyzed. You know, I know that the whole like Budweiser commercial and during the Super Bowl and everyone got all hussy about it, but you know, there there are some beers you just want to drink and enjoy and that's it. Wait, what was yeah. the controversy on that commercial? I didn't see that commercial. Yeah, you need to go check it out. I don't remember basically it, it was it was a big middle finger to all the craft breweries. Mm-hmm. Oh like, no, I do remember this now. Beer is meant to be enjoyed, not fussed over. <sighs> and well, eh, I see, and and they they worded it wrong. Yeah, well, I, I think I think a, beer should be appreciated. Look. Yes. But you don't need to like overanalyze. If I drink this beer every time at the bar, I'm not gonna say, "Oh, well, look." Here's, here's the thing: there are there are people out there that love Budweiser, and they will drink it. They're diehard fans. Sure, no, that's fine. But there are also people like us that like many different kinds of beer, styles of beer, yeah. brands of beer, what have you. Who cares? If somebody puts a Bud or a Coors in front of me, I'm not gonna turn it away. I'm not gonna say, "Oh, that's." That, that's trash. I'm not gonna drink that. Right. I'm gonna say thank you. I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna enjoy the experience. Right. Yeah. I want to go to the bar and I want a cheap beer and I want to pay fifty cents for a pint of um, Coors Original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's a time and place for everything. Not to sound like an alcoholic, but <laughs> if it's got alcohol, I'll drink it. Alky. <clears throat> I'm very much looking forward to the episode. Whenever that will be, when we cover the American Light Lager and we get to go through all this fun stuff. Yeah. Coors, Bud, Miller. Mm-hmm. It'll be sometime in the near future. But, uh... There's, Actually, I know which episode it is. Join us next week. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I, I do feel like there's a lot of good conversation that can come out of that. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's it's going to be great. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I find it interesting that when you look on the BJCP commercial examples list all of them are german beers they didn't for use, kolsch yeah they didn't use any quote kolsch style beers mm-hmm. on the classic example list they're all german because kolsch beers well like we said in the history well i know but it's an example of the style it's that's but maybe they wanted to remain true to the actual guidelines well, they didn't and... do that with the vice beer True, but so maybe I this one was more important. 
I don't know. I just I thought it was interesting to note. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are big changes that they made in the 2015 ones were uh, to be more regionally true and to make it a more worldwide uh, acceptable group of guidelines rather than just Americans. So that because uh, when they originally released them, it was just for the American homebrewer. Uh, competition so that they had something to go off of when they judged it but then they started to find out that you know people in different countries are finding them and then it blew their beers because of those and they're like well okay this is not really historically accurate and then people in germany would look at this and be like like what the heck what is this so the, the, they really wanted to you know to pay homage to the, the regional styles and the, where they came from and to make sure that it's applicable you know, from, from where it's come from, where it's known, and uh, to other places where, like America, where we would recreate a style that uh, was originally made somewhere else. All right, let's uh, get into our last example. All right. All right, so I have a homebrew example of this. Oh, cool. That I thought I would share with you all. Um, however, a... Slight disclaimer. Okay. It does not fit necessarily within the guidelines because I added an adjunct to it to Repro. give it some more flavor. So I'll talk about the recipe in a second, but let's go ahead and do our tasting. Well, well it's ruined. Never mind. Join us next week for... <laughs> okay, bye. So I'll keep my mouth shut and I'll let you guys do your thing. Okay. Well, here we go. I kind of poured myself too full of a glass, so I can't really smell this. What is this beer called? I don't want to get sued. <laughs> All of my beer names are Star Wars related. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have said that. So, what? Just the fact that you mentioned Star Wars. No, you can mention Star Wars, I guess. Oh, okay. I guess as long as I'm not selling it, then I, they can't sue me, right? This is true. Yeah, as long as it's not for profit. Yeah. And as long as we don't sell our podcast to Microsoft for profit. I mean, don't. you did pay to make the beer anyway, so. They did call us. Yeah, whatever. So. Oh, just say it. I think we got a voicemail from Bill Gates this is, for the next episode. <laughs> oh, let me get to that. This is Kessel Run Kolsch. 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 Okay, checking out the appearance. It's probably the cloudiest of yeah of all the episodes. Uh, all the episodes. All the examples <laughs> we had this evening. It's still fairly young. Yeah. I just kegged it a couple days ago, so it hasn't really cleared out yet. Uh, So it's fresh. Meant to be drink fresh. Yeah. It'll be gone tomorrow. (laughs) Maybe. Different aroma. Not as grainy, bitter as the other ones. Yeah. I get a fair bit of fruitiness. Very zesty. More so than the other ones, yeah. Like a zesty fruit, almost. Spicy meatball. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Almost like a citrus, a lime, or, or a lemon. Something like that, or maybe a few of each. Yeah, it's only, it almost smells like one lemon and two limes zested <laughs> no. only. Not the... <clears throat> it's really good. I like the taste. It's 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 closer to a medium body, I think, than really well, light. Uh... I mean, because compared to some of the examples we've had today... Those were some pretty light ones. Yeah. This one finished out at 10.10, so... 10.10? Flavors... Huh? Different. Bitter. It It's smooth. I will say this. 
But this is not a lager, though. No. You, you didn't know. Well, I mean, it, it cold conditioned, I guess. For you fermented about, it at what temperature? Um, it was about 70. Okay. And then I cold conditioned it at 38 for two weeks. Really? Two weeks? Yeah. Didn't... And then I kegged it a couple days ago. Okay. But didn't we <clears throat> brew this two weeks ago? No. <clears throat> oh. So I think I'm getting a mixture of the, uh, of like the, the Pilsner grain, because that has a bit more bitterness than just regular ones. Right. Uh, and also a mixture of the, of the citrus that I'm assuming you added. I wasn't here, but I think you did. <laughs> um... Because I don't want to, I don't want to, con- I don't want to confuse that with butter. Because I don't think it's buttery. No, it's not butter. It, uh, <laughs> but maybe it's like a, a similar type of of feeling, mouthfeel. Uh, let's hold on. I, well, I, burped, I, can, I burped and I tasted lime. I can I can talk to the grain bill and, and the recipe and stuff real quick and please just to give you all some information. That'd be great. So. Um, the, the grain is very simple, nine pounds of Pilsner, um, eight ounces of 10 Lava Bond Munich, four ounces of German wheat malt. Hmm, that's different. So just to give it a little, uh, sweetness, a little bit of body, I did find that a lot of people like to put at least a little bit of wheat. That's why I only used four ounces, just to give it a little something, um, Anyway, and then um, bittering addition, one ounce of Hallertau at 60 minutes, one ounce of Hallertau at 20 minutes. And you want to keep in mind for the Pilsner malt, you need to do a 90-minute boil. So it boiled yes. for 30 minutes, and then I put in my 60-minute hop addition. Um, so it's not overly bitter mm-hmm. like it would have been had I put it in at 90 minutes. The longer your hops boil, the more bitterness you're going to get out of them. So. Yep. Um, and it's necessary to do a 90-minute boil because Pilsner malt is high in DMS. Yes. Yeah. And you want to boil that for longer to get rid of it all. So I started out with a, a larger boil size, about 7.5 gallons, so I could get my full 90-minute boil in there. And I don't usually have a whole lot of boil off with my electric system, but um, it's enough to where I needed to add a little bit extra. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then... On to the adjuncts that I added in. I wanted this to be not just a plain um, Kolsch. I did... Some kick. Well, this one I did kind of backwards. Normally I will brew a base style and then add something to it, um, which I haven't really done any of that lately. But this one I decided to just... I've never brewed a Kolsch before, so the first time I did this it was actually extract. Um, And it turned out really well. Mm -hmm. The second time I did it I found a Kolsch malt. on our local homebrew store <laughs> website. And so I was like, oh, I'm brewing a Kolsch. So I put a crap ton of Kolsch malt in there, <laughs> and it did not turn out good. So just FYI, do not use Kolsch malt as a base grain. That's not what it's for. Noted. So, um, Live and learn. <laughs> this time when I brewed it, I planned on drastically lowering the Kolsch malt and um, doing Pilsner as the base grain, but... They didn't have any Kolsch malt, so I didn't even put it in this one, and I think it turned out pretty good. So cool. <laughs> I might actually brew this again without the adjuncts just to see what the base recipe is like. 
Uh, that'll be an experiment for and the adjuncts are... later. But um, at 15 minutes left in the boil, I added um, zest of lime, yes. three whole limes. Oh, I said two. Okay. And <laughs> two lemons. I said one. The zest okay. from all of those. No juice? Um, well, that was at 15 minutes. Uh-oh. At flame out, at zero minutes, I put all the lime juice from all three limes and uh, all two lemons. All the juice went in. And I did witness this. So it was mm. a significant amount of juice and zest. Right. Okay. So it's a little stronger than what it had been in the past. I think that's because my grain bill is a lot more simple. Uh, so I might cut that down to two limes and one lemon next time just to... It's it's a little much for me. It's really? a little on the the citrusy sweet side, and I can, I, I don't no. think I'll be able to have more than two or three of them without just going. Yep. Okay, I'm done. I honestly, so, in my personal opinion, I could drink this all day long. I even considered drinking some of it and then topping the keg off with some water to thin it out, but I decided against it. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't do that. So yeah. I don't know. I just it's not it's not perfect yet, and this is the third time I brew it. I think next time it'll be. It'll be right. It'll be right. Yeah. So see, and and I don't ever think about the pH level of my water or beer whenever I brew, just because it's it's something you can be concerned about, but you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. But I think at the point where you start adding like a lot of lime and lemon, that adds citric yeah. acid, and it's going to change the the acidity of the yeah. of the beer, and and that affects the way that the yeast work also. Right. So it's definitely a little bit much, but anyway. Um, so that put me out at about 14.8, so 15 IBUs. Um, sorry, no, that's not right. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. My Beersmith printout kind of messed me up a little bit. Womp, womp. Uh, so the total bitterness was 24 IBUs. Hmm. So that's still within style. 24. Uh, original gravity was 1046, <laughs> and it fermented down to 1010. Mm, okay. So okay. All, all pretty close within the... Um, the style guidelines. So that put us at about 4.8% alcohol. Is that 1010 what you were shooting for? Yes. Actually, the estimated was um, 10.09. Oh, wow. Very so nice. I got, I got really close. Good job. Um, so the fermentation, I put it in there for a minute at about 70 uh, for a week. And then uh, once it was done, I lowered the temperature down to about 38 and let it sit for two weeks so this traditionally uses a step mash program i didn't talk about the mash earlier but um i just did a single rest at 149 for an hour and that was it i think you should have named this beer Rin. <clears throat> so that it could have been Rin 1010 <laughs> i'll let you do that travis <clears throat> so anyway there's my kolsch uh very smooth i think uh, yeah. crisp it's a great refreshing. Beer. I think, you know, sitting inside having two or three of them is a little much, but out in the heat, the citrusiness might be a little more mellow. I I think yeah. so too. So we'll see. We have a I think we should a little a- get together tomorrow where we're going to be outside all day and we're going to be drinking. That the whole purpose of this beer was for this this little get together. So we'll see how it goes. Social gathering. Yeah. So yep. So there's the Kolsch. Cool. Thank cool, you for man. sharing. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for our latest episode of Brew Styles, where our topic of discussion was the Kolsch. Look for our next episode coming soon where we dig into the beautiful blonde ale, Category 18A. 
To help us sign off, we are joined by Bubba, the local representative from the Texas American Patriot United Homebrew Association of the Republic of Texas, otherwise known as Tap You Heart. Bubba has many years of homebrewing experience and has compiled a list of brew tips that he will be releasing in an upcoming publication, Brew Tips and Tricks, Changing the World One Beer at a Time. Please welcome him into the studio this evening, where he will be sharing one of his tips with us tonight. Bubba! Howdy, y'all. How's it going? Hello. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. How about you? That's good okay. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I had an experience this week that uh wanted to uh, give you the brew tip that I got this week. Experience. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was brewing with my buddy. Yeah. And uh, we were drinking our beer. Right. Obviously. And, Clearly. Yep. Uh, and uh, we were brewing drinking and mm-hmm. we had our our, our uh, a brew spoon that we were using to to uh, stir with uh-huh. you know big big old spoon yeah the big silver one it works better than your hand yeah well yeah i reckon so is that the brew tip don't stir with your hand no oh uh, i thought it, i had it figured out so close no, but anywho uh he had just bought this new one and uh well i'll just read you the brew tip okay uh, brew tip number 31. These newfangled spoons have a device on the end where you can get to your beer. So, I just... I'm assuming that's a bottle opener. Yeah. Uh, sure. We just put the beer on the end of it and go... And then uh, we got more beer. Okay. So, yes, that's a that's a bottle opener. Well, them, uh, them fellers out there at the... Uh, the the spoon making business are getting pretty smart putting that on there. So uh, you're sitting there stirring, and you're like, "Hey, I need another beer." And then you don't, you know, somebody brings it to you, and you can just right there while you're stirring. You got to be careful though, because if you're stirring and you try to do that, you might end up pouring some of the beer that you're drinking into the beer that you're brewing, and that's probably not going to be a very good thing to do. Yeah, probably not. So anyway, there's my brew tip. All right. Well, we appreciate you uh, coming in this evening, Bubba, and giving us that very informative brew tip. My pleasure. Thanks, sir. Join us next time for another episode of Brew Styles.